0: To listen to this episode and all previous Deep Dives, Buddy Dives, and dive master interviews without commercial interruption, please subscribe and listen at Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. Are all the perfect storms going around these days really just little clusters of false flags? I'm Monica Perez, and this is today's Deep Dive. All right, we're doing a triple off the high dive today. Three stories in the Wall Street Journal screamed out to me, perfect storm, perfect storm, perfect storm. Thousands of flights canceled on holiday weekend. Mining firms set stage for metals shortage. Labor shortage weighs on small business. So those three articles were in the Wall Street Journal. Flights canceled, totally inconvenient, really unusual. Mining firms are setting the stage for a metals shortage and there's a labor shortage that is weighing on small business. We've heard all about the labor shortage. So I realized as all these crises that seem to have the same flavor were coming together at once, as one of my tweets said, it's the perfect storm of perfect storms. That I see that we're just being frog marched to a cliff And these crises are being whipped off to basically push us over the edge into the abyss. And it's, I mean, these were three stories just in the print version of the journal today. I mean, that is a lot of, a lot of negativity for one paper. (laughs) So, but it was so similar to me to so many other articles I've been reading lately about an absolute variety of subjects. I mean, I look, I try to pick out the top headlines of the day and figure out what's the deep dive angle here. So when I keep seeing these perfect storms pop up, and for me, the perfect storm is when or they use that excuse when it's not clear why something's happening. It's not a response to patterns that we normally understand, to fundamentals that we've learned to recognize that it's they're like anomalies. And if they can't pull it all together, if they can't really give you a straightforward answer to why it's happening, they tell you a bunch of little things that on their own couldn't really do any major damage. But if it all happens at once, oh, this is why this thing is happening. And by the way, I know the answer to the problem. That is a a big part of this. So I I started Googling just today when I saw these three articles in the Wall Street Journal. I started Googling different issues that I had been following that I thought were, quote, perfect storms. And my suspicions, I had a hypothesis, and I I think I confirmed that I was right, that at the basis of all the factors that were contributing to these perfect storms, really the causes of those factors came down to, basically, I might argue every single one of them was a bad government policy. And I'm not talking about like an incompetent government policy, like an accidental, stupid, bad government. I mean a government policy that is implemented by bad people on behalf of bad people or by, uh, I love this word, venal bureaucrats. Bureaucrats who just care about their own like money or whatever. So if you look at, so the way I think of that is, if you look at the UN's Agenda 2030, the sustainable development thing, it is actually, it's a lot like the World Economic Forum ESG standards, but like the UN thing is for governments and the World Economic Forum is for corporations. So it's like flip sides of the same thing. They really go hand in hand. And you can see there's like a wheel of doom on the World Economic Forum website, and it shows how all these things are interrelated. And they do even, I think it might even have like the same symbol. I think the wheel of doom is like the same symbol as the UN Agenda 2030. I'm pretty sure. But there, so this is their agenda, and th- these are the factors that they plug into that agenda. And I think a lot of them are just their excuses for the to point the direction to the policy they want. A big thing they talk about is human suffering they everything leads with human suffering the world economic Forum a little bit but the UN absolutely Rockefeller foundation all the stuff that's like clearly big philanthropy they just talk about like oh it's because of poverty it's because of racism it's because of genderism or whatever and they're justifying it all for that but what they're really saying is there is this problem and everyone feels for it and there's this one solution <laughs> we have the answer or the body of answers we have this, coherent paradigm that we want to implement and they're totally consistent with each other. So it's kind of funny that like the UN that supposedly is a consortium of governments that work for us is an absolute lockstep with the world economic forum, which is a consortium of CEOs who claim to be working for us. That's really funny. Um, and the way that they implement it, so like I'm seeing all of these perfect storms being a result of government policy, not not cor- some corporate decisions, I'll get into some of that, but a lot of it's corporate policy, government policy, and you can see, and I've, I've seen it in articles I've read, I've seen it in observing, you know, C-SPAN and stuff, where hearing people um, talk about inside politics. But when you watch the Event 201 videos, you can see them speaking openly about How they're going to get governments to implement their policies. There's stuff on the Council of Foreign Relations thing, how to do the North American Union, how to implement that, how to get them to implement the right policies. They said we have to enforce something similar to a Bilderberg group. So they talk about it openly in the event 201. one they talk about how they're going to use soft power, they're going to get the oligarchs that they control or they're the people who are in on it to pressure elected officials in their countries. And I mean, you can just see they say what they're going to do, then they do it and then they get the policies that are consistent with their agendas. So what it seems to me is. They've got this policy they want to implement, which I'm sure at the very, very least, it means all money, power and control at the top. Like, it's very clear that's what it's it's all about. You can say they're doing it for the right reasons because they're smarter and they love us or whatever, but that's what they're doing. And they're blaming it. At, they're identifying why they're doing it based on stuff that didn't necessarily have to happen or even really is happening, but that they're arguing is happening based on uh, all these kind of shocks and crises that I'm saying they've implemented. So what are some of these crises that are being attributed to perfect storms? What are the factors contributing to the perfect storm? A lot of the factors are the same. And what is generating those factors? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the mainly the ones that were in the Wall Street Journal, but let me just give you a quick list of the of the articles that I found. I was just searching for articles recent, like the last month or two, and I was looking, I wasn't just Googling perfect storm and seeing what came up. I thought of like 10 issues that people were worried about. And I was like, all right, it makes no sense. This shouldn't be happening. I bet it's a perfect storm. And I found, I think everyone I looked for, I came up, I found like within the last two months, a perfect an article I called it a perfect storm. The airline cancellations, the commodity shortages, the labor shortages those are the that's the trifecta from the journal today inflation of course supply chain issues lumber shortages drought gasoline prices monkeypox school lunches there's there's going to be a shortage of school lunches like this summer which makes you know they give the kids school lunches even in the summer but trust me there's a perfect storm and there's going to be a school lunch crisis in about a month Oh, maybe now. It's probably by the end of this month. Uh, measles apparently is coming back. And uh, this one was old. But I thought it was funny. Egg prices. So it said the bird flu, inflation, and Easter have created a perfect storm. I'm like, okay, Easter happens every year. <laughs> you know? I mean, Easter is pretty predictable. I think they they tend to squeeze out some extra eggs for Easter, but whatever. Anyway, I cannot pick apart every single thing, but I just thought that was funny. And I was, I went, I was going for ten. I think I came up with thirteen, but I absolutely quit at the last one. This one I didn't even look for. I was in my Twitter feed, and and uh, a tweep Stratman, nice name, uh, had sent me a little TikTok video of Haley Bieber trying to explain her blood clot. She didn't mention at all Justin Bieber's facial paralysis and there was no mention of what i think every single solitary person listening to this right now kind of suspects was at play there but she said a bunch of doctors got together they really didn't know what was happening they couldn't give her an answer they guessed at a couple of things but in the end they told her that it was just a perfect storm (laughs) <laughs> so that's when i dropped the mic <laughs> I had to go I had to go take a little break take a little walk get some air and then uh and then i got back to it but what i want to dig into some of the details of those ones that were in the journal today they're the most relevant i i presume so the first one was these airline cancellations and the airlines have been acting screwy for a while and one of the things that... So I'm going to tell you... Uh, what was the headline? The one in the journal was Thousands of flights cancelled on the holiday weekend. But then... There was also an article in uh, the Mirror, the UK Mirror, about England. And then there was one in Australia. Like, all at the same time, they're all having these flight issues. And when it happens, like it's a perfect storm in three different places, or it's a perfect storm that's affecting the whole world... Okay, <laughs> so, can't stand it. So uh, the so the mirror headline was a two year perfect storm has led us to this summer of terminal turbulence. And the one that, I'm going to start with the thing I had last, like the they talked about bad weather being a cause of it, and that really annoyed me because when there was a that. All those flights were canceled, and like even the air traffic controllers didn't fl- throw show up, throw up, show up in Florida. Remember, I, I don't know how long ago. I mean, it was when the vax mandates were were being pushed onto the pilots, and the pilots, some of the pilots were having adverse reactions, including death, according to them, uh, by flying after the vax. Like I, I don't know the science; it looked plausible to me, and they were certainly making that argument. A lot of pilot deaths; they were worried about. But the articles, even the unions, were completely denying that that was the reason that the flights were grounded, and they were saying that it was bad weather, even though it wasn't. It was very localized in the places where the air, the pilots were having sickens, and uh, it just wasn't. It was just a lie about the bad weather. And then the other thing about weather is. Depending on where you live, you might see the spraying every freaking day. And here, it seems to anytime there's like some moisture coming in from the west, they push. You can see that like every once in a while you'll see one of the one of the things that shoot out the back of an airplane. I won't say anything. Call it chemtrails if you want. I don't need to, but there's they say it's water vapor, but it is silver silver like a gray dark silver against the clouds there's no chance it's water vapor when you see it like that i think they do different things on different days but on the days where there's a lot of clouds they push the clouds down to where it's not in the exact right altitude to rain that's what i think is happening that's what it looks like is happening that's what i've heard is happening red is happening and that would explain a lot of the drought problems that are out here people are having all different kinds of problems um to pile on to the baby formula thing. I did a whole show on the baby formula, perfect storm. And there was something happened even after that, there was a massive flood up there. So just as they were starting to get, to get the factory back online, there was a massive flood. So you can think I'm crazy, but they're going to come out of the closet real soon about the weather control stuff that they're doing. They're not going to say they've been doing it all along, but you're not going to think I'm crazy anymore because they're going to admit it. But the bad weather, I cannot It's not a perfect storm. It's a manufactured storm, if at all, if it's not just a lie. Okay, but the number one thing that they're talking about for the perfect storm of the airline problems are staff shortages. And the whole labor shortage thing just makes no sense. You shut down the economy and you should have a labor surplus because people are out of work and they don't want to be. Now, you had stimmy checks for a while, which meant people did want to be out of work because they didn't have to go to work and they still got money. But why would there be a labor shortage now? So I guess there is a chance that people got used to laying around. And for some reason, these people are the same people who made a bunch of money in the stock market or made a bunch of money on their houses and just felt richer. It seems like not not an overlapping group. But I think that that people quitting the Great Resignation had a lot more to do with VAX mandates than anyone is admitting. So obviously, in none of these articles is it going to say anything about the labor shortage having anything to do with VAX mandates. But I think that ha- I know that has to be an element. I mean, anything, however small, is a contributing factor. But that, to me, probably has a much better impact than anyone is saying. But there's also another thing that is absolutely happening Which is, so the lockdowns caused a bunch of layoffs and the stimmy checks and stuff, people would quit or whatever. And then uh, in a lot of industries, there was this new trend emerging where you could work remotely, which would not have happened. It was more like a systemic shock to lock everybody down and force them to get used to Zooming just when Zoom was ready to launch in that, ready to scale up. And what that did was it not only gave people the option to have like a cool job where they were doing it at home, which more people like that than I would have thought, that people like it. Bosses don't necessarily like it, but the people like it. So they will take a job that lets them work remotely, and the people who are giving them remote jobs can probably pay them a little more because they don't have to provide them with office space, and that's a big savings. And it actually puts a lot more kind of worldwide competition for that labor. And that will backfire. I guarantee you that will backfire when people start realizing that they could just contract with people in India where their education is free so the people don't have loans. Their um, education is probably pretty good. They're regarded as being smart, competent, techie. I don't know if those stereotypes are true, but you certainly see a lot of people from India in those industries. And their wages are just low, especially if they can stay there. So if US workers force this remote working trend to continue, they will be displaced. Then you'll have some useless eaters. But this created a problem where the people who were laid off were not easily rehired. Maybe they were otherwise occupied. And then as the air, not not just the airlines, but the airports, everybody from air traffic control to airport security to baggage, handling, catering, everybody has to check in. All of them have to be screened and vetted in a process that takes like four months, some people are saying. And if you don't get way ahead of it, you're going to have a shortage, you're going to have a problem. So there's all this pent up demand, which is another function of the lockdown, the policies, not the pandemic, the policies, there's pent up demand. And as the airlines were ramping up, the government scattershot some more lockdowns and restrictions because of Omicron, Omicron. BA2 or whatever, you know, and which I had, by the way, I had it, I had COVID twice, I knew that it was like, it's gotta be like a common cold, because the one I had the second time was different from the one I had the first time. It was recent. And uh, you you never want to talk about it, because it's kind of stigmatizing. But um, it's, you know, it was it was inconvenient, but I'm not a very vulnerable person. But I'm I so I don't know if it's really serious for people who are more vulnerable. But it didn't. It just slowed me down. So yeah. So as soon as they were trying to get on their feet, just like with the baby formula thing, something else comes and knocks them down. Uh, I do recommend that deep dive I did on the baby formula, where it was basically entirely the fault of the FDA. And as soon as Abbott got their stuff together, which was a very easy thing for them to do, the FDA appealed to the DOJ to prevent Abbott from opening to like give the FDA authority over Abbott. It was really, it's really a crazy story. So because of all this lead time, they couldn't get the, they can't restaff in a hurry. So they're going to be short staffed, but get this craziness. This is so exactly what I'm talking about in the British one. It says that a new law, or I'll read the exact quote. You can infer whether it's a new law. UK airlines are now contractually obliged to fill a hefty 70% of their precious airport takeoff and landing slots or risk having to give them up. Consequently, they have no choice but to try to operate their schedules at these levels despite all the staffing pressures they face. So they have a lot of staffing pressures and they could run efficiently and not have all these problems. But this contract must be with the airports that they have to use 70% of their slots or they lose them. So they have to impose this inefficiency on their own operations to accommodate this, what apparently is a new law. And that kind of a policy is old school government stuff. I remember it worked that way at Citibank and my boss told me, he was like, I have a budget every year. If I don't use it, I lose it, so we have to hire these new analysts, even if we don't need them. And it'll be great for you because you can work less. But absolutely, we have to get some people hired, or I'm going to lose my budget. And if I lose my budget, I lose my power, I lose my seat at the table, whatever, like uh, status, the the size of my job. I lose part of my salary. My salary will shrink as my responsibilities shrink. So there's all these. It's a and he and he told me that's how government works, and it's why government is so inefficient. But bureaucracies. Well, bureaucracy. So that was a huge red flag to me. The, the pent-up demand for travel was totally exacerbated by the fact that there was basically unexpected and abrupt lifting of all vaccine mandates, requirements, testing, masking, all of that stuff, or pretty abrupt in I think I remember in England just like completely lifted all of their mandates, and um that was that you didn't have to test to get in and I think that's just happened all at once everywhere, certainly, that's what it said in this article. Other stuff that was mentioned in the article is just crazier and crazier power outages for me, all the power outages they're like a loss of utility capacity because. Um, they're shutting down old plants before new ones can open that are greener. So they're creating this problem. They're doing these preemptive blackouts, which I call BS on, absolutely. And then as they have these oil and gas sanctions, the little green energy there is, it's putting more pressure on that, uh, on those alternative sources of energy. So that all, those are all policies. Those are all policies. And they're saying there's unrelated... But coincidental information technology glitches like like info tech is just going down everywhere. And, you know, airlines are just on the cutting edge of info information technology. I mean, the fact that they're all having glitches at once, I smell a rat with that. I actually threw in a couple of things that I thought were interesting. I noticed now that you don't have change fees, you can make you can make plans and cancel them and then you get like a, a refund or whatever. It's not a refund. You can exchange it later. You don't love it. It's not ideal, but it has to be really pumping up the unpredictability or certainly adding an element of uncertainty to their scheduling. And that's a problem for businesses. They don't like that. That's the, I don't know what they're going to do about that. And then the article I read was really funny because it started with this line that at Amsterdam's airport, they are asking travelers not to show up more than four hours before their flights. And then the last line in the article, so this is the wall street journal article. uh, uh, One passenger said United had sent emails advising him to get to the London airport four hours early (laughs) or more, (laughs) at least four hours early. And I'm like, okay, so this is Amsterdam versus London. They're telling them not to go more than four hours. Then like, what's the real solution? Right? If there's a real solution for these policies, then it, then you would think they would come up with the same one and not totally opposite ones. <laughs> anyway, so a, a lot of these, most of them are pandemic policies, and those are just contributing to, I would say, like the vast majority of the factors in these perfect storms and the vast majority of these cases are pandemic policies. I'm just going to hit on the other couple briefly the commodity shortages. It says commodities are in a perfect storm, says ERG, as crisis starts super cycle. That was Reuters. The one from the journal was the mining firm set stage for metals shortage. And I'll just tell you how this guy at ERG, which is the Eurasian Resources Group, said years of underinvestment in mining of metals essentially to the energy transition, as well as supply shocks and high energy prices, will continue to drive commodity prices higher. This combined with COVID-related logistical issues and demand for transparency on sustainability factors have brought together all the ingredients for a perfect storm in commodity markets. He told them, he told (laughs) the Reuters Global Markets Forum in Davos. So I guess they all come together in Davos. So what the journal was saying was that the mining firms were responding to investor pressures to reinvest to, oh, do share buybacks or give dividends out. So I thought that was weird. Like if you're invested in something, a lot of times you want to stay invested in it. You don't really want them to give you your cash back because then what are you going to do with the cash? Find a different investment. So there had to have been a reason for that. And it ends up that they were saying that when that was that huge commodities boom, I don't know if people remember that, but it was just staggering. It really impacted Australia. And so a little shout out to Stella. I'm sure she remembers it. So this huge commodities boom, people just, uh, these companies were sinking tons of money. And so it said like 2012 was peak investment and it was twice what the level is now and that they overinvested. And there's such a lot of lag time that I think I'm putting the pieces together. The investors are being cautious about really hammering down but what I found really interesting about this is that all the articles are saying these guys are crazy. We need nothing but these rare earth metal or whatever it is. It's um, cobalt, lithium, a bunch of these things that are used in the batteries for cars, for electric cars, and that kind of stuff. And they're saying we just absolutely are going to have such a massive demand for this that you guys are crazy for not hyper investing. Now, they're not hyper investing though right? So they probably don't think that's inevitable. But if World Economic Forum or whatever gets them to hyperinvest, then you'll have a surplus of all this stuff. You have the surplus, then the commodity prices crash. And then the calculus of whether you're going to have more electric cars or more of these like green batteries and stuff changes, and they become a lot cheaper because you've overmined it. So I feel like this is just a pressure campaign on the miners. And so far, they haven't fallen for it. But In my research on this, I found an article from 2009 where it was a, uh, it says, Professor John Beddington, I I don't know if he was a Harvard guy, some some big place, I can't remember. The headline was, this is 2009, World Faces Perfect Storm of Problems by 2030, Chief Scientists Warn. Food, water, and energy shortages, check, 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 will unleash public unrest and international conflict. So it seems pretty clear. And I think in there it talked about Agenda 2030. I don't know, but it's definitely said 2030. Food, water, and energy shortages, we have that right now. They're all perfect storms. <laughs> They're all really a result of these recent COVID policies and a few other things. And this goes back to what I was saying before. If they don't want it if they can't, if it, it's like God, right? Don't they say like, if God didn't exist, they'd have to invent him. And I feel like that about Julian Assange, like if he didn't exist, the CIA would have to invent him to flush out all the wet whistleblowers. But I feel like that with this, like if they, this guy was saying, this is what we're getting and we have to go energy smart or whatever by 2030, just like the UN is asking us to do, although this was in 2009 and the UN sustainability stuff wasn't until 2015. But um, there before that was agenda 21, so it could have it could have been overlapping because the language is very similar it seems like to me uh, but if they didn't if those things didn't emerge they were going to have to create them and here we were in 2020 and it wasn't there yet it wasn't there yet at all and these these were clearly the items they were targeting since the beginning to justify this green transition so I think of like they're they're just using all of their power to pressure companies, pressure governments, and consumers to go along with this plan in the name of poverty, identity, climate, whatever. So it looked to me like the ESG, the ESG standards for corporations are the flip side of the SDG, the Sustainable Development Goals for from the UN because the UN the the biggest thing the the biggest thread that runs through that UN thing I mean I didn't like super study it but I was looking at it and really the biggest thing it was the reporting just like ESG it's all about reporting and and it's more than that obviously but the reporting is so important so information has power <laughs> knowledge is power scientia es potentia I'm sure I'm saying that wrong and then the last one was about the labor shortages and it says small businesses fall behind on hiring as inflation takes toll and it says the similar things to before it's that there's more competition to hire smart people because of these this option to work remotely anywhere in the world from your bedroom or whatever and you can get paid more for now to do it but the but that what i was saying before about the systemic shock like that whole idea that get everybody to work remotely at once that normally kind of thing would happen very gradually and it wouldn't be a shock like this, but when government policy comes down everywhere all at once, it's going to create, that's when you have labor problems. That's when you have labor shortages, labor sh- surpluses. It's these, it's policy shocks. Sometimes it's a technology shock, but to the extent it affects different industries differently, usually can absorb those shocks. So the, other article in the Wall Street Journal about this was labor shortage stymies construction work because they really focused on small construction firms and that, that small businesses. But it says that the labor shortage stymies construction work as a trillion dollar infrastructure spending plan kicks in. So, see, that's the government being what they call pro-cyclical. So it's the so government's supposed to like give you soft landings and keep you from having a boom-bust cycle. When there's this terrible labor shortage and a building boom, the government gives you a trillion-dollar package to hyper-stimulate, to really heat up that building market and create massive demand for labor. So that even by their own estimates, the labor's coming in at 20% higher than they had already budgeted for. It's just ridiculous. And that perfect storm they were talking about was uh, historically low unemployment, the economic rebound from COVID, and $600 billion in transportation-specific funding out of the trillion-dollar infrastructure law exacerbate existing labor shortages in the construction industry. So – all that stuff's going coming together there. Of course, the government is, their policy is making it worse, not better. You'd think they would just, I don't know, be smart about it or just not do that. <laughs> Certainly shouldn't be federal. Oh, don't get me started. Anyway, this is a long one. Sorry, guys. Maybe you like it. All right. So just a, two more things just on the big picture. Inflation, the three items that they talk about. Everybody like around the world, including Elizabeth Warren, is saying pandemic, supply chain, Ukraine war. Those are the things that are hitting inflation. Those are the things that are being talked about for the food shortages. Those are the things that are being talked about for the energy crisis. Uh, The food shortage, I think there was another one. It was conflict, climate, COVID, the Ukraine war. And surging food and fuel costs are all plugging into the food shortage. And I'm telling you, we could go through each one of those. We've talked about them all probably right here because they're all plugging into the same things as the factors. And all of the factors come from, I would say, policy. So maybe calling like the perfect storm a bunch of little false flags is not exactly right. I mean, it's a it's subversive pathocratic government policy directed by an international power elite and implemented by traitors. So a lot of times that's a false flag, but maybe not every time. <laughs> I don't know what you would call it, but uh, we can, I guess we can just call them perfect policy storms. But they're all, all these guys are in on it. I've seen reflective language of this in the UN Sustainable Development Thing, the World Economic Forum, Rockefeller Foundation, Johns Hopkins. They all use the idea of poverty, identity, or identity injustice, climate to create these uh, crises and use them to justify their policy agendas. And when those things don't organically emerge, they foster events. That spur them on, and they're there with the policies that make them worse too. So, I mean, they could actually do probably false flags to get each and every one of these things done. But false flags get a lot of scrutiny, and they're starting to be pretty obvious. So, I would say if you can't if you can't get a perfect storm, a, a false flag, the next best thing is a perfect storm. So, in the end, in like what what do I take away from all of this? Just just use your head. If you hear a story and it doesn't seem right, like why the Twin Towers fell or whatever, like if it doesn't sound right to you, if it's too much of a coincidence or just doesn't, it's not consistent with your experience or the way you think things work, then just reserve your judgment. You don't have to crack the code. You don't have to try to figure it out like I do. But when something's a huge long shot, especially these days, It's maybe useful to entertain the idea of whether someone did it on purpose to serve some agenda and figure out what that agenda is, kind of be alert to the agenda then. And I actually take comfort in that the mining companies aren't responding to that pressure and overinvesting. It makes me think that they're not totally uh, on board, really believe that this green transition is inevitable and the green transition make no bones about it like there's no doubt in my mind it is not good it is not good it's not good it's not it's not that i'm just curmudgeony and i want my oil oil's great it runs the world it's great it's efficient and if you have a problem with pollution that's one thing but carbon dioxide in the atmosphere makes plants grow so they're full of it (laughs) their spraying is terrible in the air so there is a lot of stuff that they could be doing to help the environment, but I think they're making it worse to use it as an excuse to do what they want, but not everybody's falling for it. And I think uh, today we're not falling for it either. So, um, oh, and I wanted to tell you, okay, so for a few reasons, I won't get in some to be labored, but I've decided to start a new feed where I can put all of my content and only my content So the deep dives, the buddy dives, the dive master interviews, I'm going to put them all in one place. I just launched it over the weekend and I think people are liking it. I've gotten some good reviews, but I don't want to put everything up twice. I'm going to still put um, a, a show up on the Prop Report feed Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. You'll always find those there at the Prop Report, but I'm going to put probably more stuff than just that in the new feed. And it's called Deep Dives with Monica Perez. But in order to make it worthwhile to kind of post it twice, I'm hoping that people will use it. So I'm going to post all of the content that I've already done since I spun off the deep dives and uh, all the content that I post through August 1st, I'm going to put on deep dives with Monica Perez commercial free. So this show, tomorrow's show, it'll all be commercial free. And those, those episodes will always remain commercial free. And then after August 1st, I will probably put limited commercials into that feed. I do want people, you know, I hope people will listen to it. So if you want to hear this episode and all previous deep dives, buddy dives and dive master interviews, please listen and subscribe at deep dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. And I hope you like it. And if you like it, Listen to a few of them. I don't think you can give me a review until you've listened to a few of them on that channel. But listen to a few of them and leave me a review. I would love to see how you like the new content. I am Monica Perez, obviously. (laughs) So if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media or with someone you think would also enjoy it. And feel free to tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. To this episode and all previous deep dives, buddy dives, and dive master interviews without commercial interruption, please subscribe and listen at Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform.